it's an urban oasis. Once you're by the water, you just relax. There's something about being next to water which is really quieting, even in this urban setting. Welcome to Waterlands, a series brought to you by WWT. I'm Megan McCubbin, a zoologist and conservationist. And this series is a journey through some of the richest habitats on planet Earth. Ponds. I don't know, I think water just does something. You just feel this calm, you know, this serenity. I really, really do enjoy it. Across the country, there are hundreds of ponds being maintained, regenerated or built from scratch by community groups. People coming together, combining their energy and resources to create a magical habitat, which is exactly what we and wildlife need. Because as the climate crisis continues, time is running short to bring nature back from the brink. New wetlands are vital. There's never been a more important time to create a wildlife hotspot. And what's better than creating a pond? I must say, coming here on a Sunday is just the best thing. The wind in the reeds and the birds, it's just so peaceful. And I will just put on a pair of waders and wade out into the dock and stand there in the reeds and see what I can see. That's Gino Brignoli, Biodiversity Officer at Cody Dock. Cody Dock is a project which shows how community ponds can have a transformative effect. It's on the banks of the River Lee in East London. In the past, river barges would unload their dusty coal here, but today, that picture is different. The dock is a clean, green oasis, a huge pond, transformed from dereliction into a rich wildlife haven. One of the most beautiful things I've seen has been a kingfisher fishing off one of the ladders coming up out of the dock. I got here really early in the morning. I saw it perching on one of the rungs of the ladder. It dove down and came up spraying water with a stickleback in its bill. It must be amazing to have such a visceral, colourful encounter amongst the tall buildings and construction sites of the East End of London. We've got sand martens kind of flying just above us and swooping down through the reeds and over the water. We've just had a reed warbler fly past us as well. Cody Dock is on the border of Newham and Tower Hamlets, two of the most deprived areas in London generally, but also in terms of access to green space. What I think Cody Dock does is it allows people to come here and be able to breathe in parts of the city which otherwise can feel really polluted and busy and full of hard surfaces and concrete. So here we are, right next to the dock itself, which is about 80 metres long, maybe 10 metres wide. The dock itself acts as a huge pond. At its deepest is maybe a metre, filled mostly with rainwater, but sometimes some of the river water gets in from the River Lee, which is what the dock used to be connected to. At the moment, it's cut off. So ponds are great for biodiversity, not just because of the things that we find in them, but also everything that uses them. Um, 
We've got a reed bed, creates a lovely little horseshoe shape, and we have a willow tree which self-seeded there about 15 years ago. Quite a lot of life in there as well. We monitor this site for kind of invertebrates and birds. At the moment we've got reed warblers nesting there. We counted five there most recently, so that's quite an exciting thing. And the water also has sticklebacks in it and smooth newts and dragonflies and damselflies. Quite special given it's this space which was forgotten about for such a long time next to one of the rivers that used to be one of the most polluted rivers in Europe. The abundance of life that we find here is surprising. Gino came to ecology quite late in life, after a very different career in retail. thought, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing. Decided to go back to studying. Felt like I was reconnecting with kind of nature. I was born in South Africa and, you know, my childhood was spent running through the felt. So it rekindled, I think, that kind of passion. And I live just, just around the walk corner, really, in Bethnal Green. So it's been amazing to have discovered this. My role as biodiversity officer at Cody Dock is to monitor all of the wildlife and I do that through working with lots of volunteers. We monitor not just birds and dragonflies and butterflies and bees but we try and do everything. It's important for us that we know what's here, especially now that this area is becoming more and more developed. The pressures that places on what we have as a wild space is quite significant. We get quite a lot of school groups coming through, children from the immediate area in Newham who don't even know that the Lee is here, let alone that it's London's second biggest river. And it sparks joy. You know, we've recorded things like grey seals going up and down the river. We've got records of eel and flounder. At the moment, my favourite thing to watch are the sand martens because they're nesting in the walls of the dock because a lot of our rivers in London have been canalised. We don't have those sand banks anymore. They're looking for alternative nesting sites that kind of do the same thing. Uh, there's a group of sand martens just coming into the dock now, swooping down over the water, and one's just gone into that hole, which is one of the kind of nesting holes that we've put in for them, actually, which is great to see. I'm really pleased that they're using those. We're actually restoring the docks. We've got a team of volunteers separate to the environmental volunteers who come in and are actually busy repointing the bricks. We're putting in sand martin nests and this is clearly something which is integral to the dock and to this kind of urban wildlife that we have here. So we really want to maintain that as for as long as possible. Cody Dock is a big pond and a big project. It's been transformed and revitalised by the labours of a large group of volunteers. People mucking in, repointing bricks, working on bird surveys, checking the quality of the water, and so much more. Gino introduced some of them at the dockside, which overlooks the reed beds and the high-rise buildings beyond. So this is Lol. She's one of our long-term volunteers. Got a vast knowledge when it comes to knowing what the birds are and is a great asset to us. This is Simon. He comes with lots of experience in being able to understand what the water chemistry is doing. So he's kind of been one of our leads on kind of doing the water quality testing. So we're always delighted when he comes along. 
we've got at the moment the sand martins coming in and out of the holes uh, with their beaks full of insect. And the other thing is the reed warblers in the reeds at the end. We can hear them calling, see them flitting about between the reeds. As a bird lover, that to me is very special. It's changed my life immensely being able to come down here, realising just how much nature there is on the dock and along the river, because I grew up in a very rural area and I really miss being out in the countryside. I just wanted to do something after the lockdowns of COVID, I just wanted to do something that was outdoors. So for me to come down here and just be more in touch with nature, it's good for my mental well-being. it's good in terms of getting exercise, I just find it very calming to be around water and I have made friends with some of the other volunteers which is absolutely fantastic. They're people that I probably wouldn't have met if it hadn't been for coming and volunteering here at Cody Dock. So that's been a really positive thing. It's in increased my social interaction with people. I love working together on wildlife projects. That sense of being alongside others, feeling energised, invigorated, with that common sense of purpose. And you're helping nature too. There isn't a better combination. Lowell comes down to Cody Dock once a week, usually walking around the dock and along the river doing a bird survey. Cody Dock's a busy place sometimes, a real community hub. There are so many different people involved here. Groups from schools with their teachers come in to do environmental activities where they learn much more about nature, um, get to be outdoors for an afternoon, and also groups from local offices and workplaces also come in and get involved in environmental projects here. So it brings a lot of different parts of the community together. Like Lowell, Simon is a long-standing regular, coming down to the dock one or two days a week helping with bird surveys, helping with water testing, um, generally acting as a dog's body. Something I look forward to each week coming out here. There's people who only come for a few weeks. There are students who come during their breaks from their college studies, but there are also uh, people who live in Newham, people who live a little bit further afield who come in here to help. That's been a real pleasure connecting with people from very different backgrounds. It's a real mixture of people. Many of the volunteers live locally and feel a strong sense of connection to Cody Dock. Simon also has an affinity with the dock's history. I grew up close to industry, the places that sent the coal down here, and so it's got this rich cultural connection. But what it's also done is it's connected me with a community that I wasn't particularly familiar with before I came here. So volunteering here is one tiny little way of getting a little bit closer to the real world. We've been doing water testing here for the last few months and it's actually quite surprising how good the quality of the water is. There are so many invertebrates in this dock. There are dragonfly larvae that are close to maturity, which I did not know this, but which I was informed was an indication of high water quality. Obviously, if the kingfishers are catching enough fish, then the water is good enough for the kingfishers. And the other day I was watching a cormorant hoovering fish out of the dock and looked down and saw quite a large mullet in here. It's something that should be conserved because it is possible to have a rich wildlife, a rich habitat in the centre of a city like this. Ponds help cool our cities, 
store water during droughts, and protect us from floods. And they are brilliant for our health and well-being. We're learning just how good they are for communities too. Creating a mini wetland or pond in your community is a great way to come together with friends and neighbours and create an amazing public space that everyone can enjoy. We're going to move on from this community in the east end of London now to check out another city further west. At Brandon Hill in Bristol, there is nature all around you. A network of ponds, lush grass and beautiful trees. A few moments here and you've forgotten all about the crowded city beyond this oasis. You've got a range of butterfly species, you've got a range of bird species, mammal species as well. You can find them all here, not to mention amphibians, you know, this is like a really, really good spot for frogs as well. Uh, we've got magpie at the top of the tree up there, some of my favourite birds to watch. You get woodpeckers flying over here. I've seen the green and great spotted woodpecker flying over here. We've come to meet Nadine Pereira, co-founder of Flock Together. This birdwatching collective is another brilliant community. And it turns out, Nadim is a big fan of birdwatching at ponds. Birds, I mean, they'll use it much in the way we use water, to drink, to bathe, to splash at each other if we're feeling a bit cheeky, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. We can see with the wood pigeon here going for a drink. I'm sure on the right day we'll come here and find a blackbird bathing. In front of us, we've got about two or three different ponds. It brings to memory one of my earliest birding experiences. I was about 16 or 17. It was a really small pond I was sitting by. And I was just watching these crows just go about doing their business. And I was like, all right, cool, it's some crows. Like, it's sick. But then I saw one crow just edging closer and closer to the edge of the pond. And I was thinking, what's he up to? Like, is he thirsty? Does he want to drink something or something? And then um, I saw him just dip his head in. And then he came out with a frog. He came out with a frog and just flew up to the nearest tree, took it to, like, a branch and just... I'd never seen anything like it. Nadim's journey with birding began when he was a kid. I was about 15 and wasn't best pleased with my schooling experience, let's say that. So I just thought, sod this, I'm not going anymore because it just doesn't make me happy. And so while all my friends were in school, I decided to just go out walking and I was already tired of people. So I was lucky enough to live near a forest at the time. So I started walking around in this forest and I came across this bench near a graveyard. And I sat down there and there was just this, this tranquility, this peace that just allowed me to think and to figure out what I was doing. There was just no pressure. I was just sat there with myself, which was just so nice. And a bird just landed about six feet away from where my feet were placed. And it was green, bright green. I'd never seen anything like it, red cap black mask and this long beak. I was like, what the hell is this? I've never seen anything like this. Turns out it was a green woodpecker. And so I thought, you know what? Let me just get up, go home quickly, grab my camera and try and get a picture of it. Run home, grab the camera, came back, sat in the same spot on the same bench. And sure enough, the woodpecker came back, took some pictures of it. And then I noticed there was another bird in the guttering of the church. 
and it was a kestrel. But at the time, I thought it was like a little eagle because I didn't know what I was looking at. But it was a bird of prey. I thought, brah, that's sick. On my doorstep, what the hell? I'm going to go out and take pictures of that. And before I knew it, I was leaving my house just to look for birds, you know? And yeah, my girlfriend at the time got me a little bird book, you know? In the years that followed, I would honestly spend half of my week in green spaces because I wasn't in school, you know? I would honestly go at 9, 10 a.m., could have been a two-hour train journey away. I wouldn't leave until like seven in the evening. And I would just walk around the whole day, sometimes without saying a single word. Maybe I would say hello to the birds as I walk past or something. Um, but enjoying the nature and building up my knowledge on how these birds behave, what they sound like, where I'm likely to see certain species and what time of day I'm likely to see certain species. All of these things were happening, but what was passively happening, I would think about problems that I was facing and I had the silence and the calm to actually tackle those problems. Whereas before, I would feel too much pressure to do that. I love Nadim's story about the green woodpecker. Too often we go for walks in nature, but rarely really look or listen. There's a lot to be said for finding a quiet spot, taking a seat and just being present. Allowing your senses to acclimatise to what's around you. Your eyes will tune in to the birds flying around the treetops. You might pick out insect chimneys above a pond or even see the nose of a shy mouse poking its head out. This way, shy wildlife will be more willing to show itself to you. Recently, I spent half an hour watching a grey heron hunt along a canal in central Birmingham. Grey herons are hard to miss, with their grey, white and black plumage and long body. They are stealthy hunters, remaining perfectly still until they strike at an unsuspecting fish, insect or amphibian in the water. Like Nadim's woodpecker encounter, these few minutes made me feel calm and connected, which was just what I needed. From that chance encounter with a woodpecker, Nadim's love of birding began, and it culminated in Flock Together, which started when Nadim met Ollie. Flock Together started as a bird watching club that was set out to combat the underrepresentation of black and brown people, people of colour, in the natural world. Like, obviously, I'm a young black and Asian man from East London when I was going out to really rural places. And I think obviously people would notice that I wasn't from there, but I see Ollie posting on his story, just a bunch of birds, like small, very short clips of, of lots of birds. So I just responded to it, every story with the species that he was looking at, which he obviously didn't know. And he was like, oh my God, bro, how do you know this, man? Da, da, da. And I was like, bro, this is what I do. I'm an avid bird watcher. So we were chatting, going back and forth, knocked up a flyer, put it out. And then our first walk was upon us before we knew it. And the night before, we were just like, bro, we haven't even met each other. We've just been doing this all through Insta. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's meet up then. So we met up in, in Clissold Park in, in Stoke Newington, um, North London. We just walked around talking about our respective lives, but then also our ambitions for this club uh, that would become Flock Together. And to be honest, we both had lofty ambitions for it. 
But I mean, how quickly it happened, what I think is what took us the most, you know, by the third walk, we had 60 people in a car park in Epping Forest. And me and Ollie after that were like, rah, okay, now, now we're getting serious. And, you know, we just did our last walk literally a couple of days ago. And, you know, we had 180 people there, bro. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. So why it didn't exist already is because I think maybe we didn't feel welcomed there. Um, there probably are some people who have gone to rural spaces and had bad experiences and that will put them off. But also as well, if you don't see what's familiar to you, you're not going to gravitate towards it because, you know, we're creatures of habit. So that was the key reason we really set out with our Instagram and pushed all these pictures. That is what changed the game because all of a sudden people were looking at these black and brown boys and girls, men and women, with binoculars around their necks, smiling, beaming, looking comfortable in nature. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh wow, maybe I want to try that. Today, Nadim is a TV presenter and an ambassador for WWT. As he's seen the climate crisis take hold and our wetlands shrink, he believes a broader community effort is essential to allow nature to flourish. We didn't exist in that space. Our community didn't exist in that space. Now nature is in an emergency state. It needs our help. So we think at Flock Together, and of course the wider community of underrepresented people, we have a lot to offer that conversation, not just with our, our professionalism and scientific knowledge, which there's an abundance of, by the way, but also with our creativity, just to enhance the conversations that are being had. Because for all the hard work that's been done over the de like last five, six decades in the natural world, it's not connecting with a very, very big demographic in this country. And, you know, that's changing now. The more champions there are for nature, the more chance our wetlands have of recovering. And the more ponds we have in our communities, the better chance nature has. Before we leave the ponds at Brandon Hill, we've time for a bit of Nadim's advice for spotting birds around water. That's a green woodpecker calling in the back. So you don't need binoculars, you don't need a lot of knowledge. When I started birding, I didn't know anything. Hanging around water, kingfishers are always a favourite. That moment that you catch the kingfisher just sat there on a perch doing his thing of bright electric blue, it's just beautiful. If you want to see a kingfisher, my tip would be, if you're at a pond, just sit there and keep your eyes on like branches that are just overhanging the water, you know? So imagine if you were like, had a spear and you wanted to catch a fish, where would you stand? over the water, right? So you look for the branches that give that same vantage point for the bird and stay still. Um, but generally, just look out for movement, I would say. Look out for movement in the surrounding trees and bushes and stuff. And usually your peripheral vision is more sensitive than your direct vision. So don't fixate yourself on anything. Just enjoy being there, but just keep your mind aware that things will be moving. And usually in the trees, in the bushes, if you do see movement, it will be a bird of some kind. As the birds continue their watch over Brandon Hill, let's revisit Cody Dock in London. The volunteers have been busy helping to create a new pond for a new generation. And Gino Brignoli was able to give us some insights. 
This has been a, a bit of a labourer of love. It's, it's happened because we've had lots of volunteers who've given us their time to do it. Um, like they dug it out, they laid kind of the liner and planted all the plants. Um, and I think it's, it's starting to look really good. It's intended to be a pond dipping pond for some of the school groups that we come over. What we really wanted was to be able to give kids the opportunity to experience what we experience with our volunteers down in the dock, which is just the joy of kind of hauling a net out and tipping it into a tray and just seeing what you can see. Um, it is a little bit of a kind of a jewel box every time you do it. You never really know what you're going to get and it's, it's looking pretty good. Um, the water level's gone down slightly but we can top that up again if it doesn't rain. I'm just going to see what we can find in the water. Okay, so we've got definitely got some water boatmen in here, some saucer bugs, a whirligig beetle. On the surface of the water there seems to be some splashing around as well, um, which I think might be some pond skaters. As I say, very, very early days for this pond. I mean, it's, it's, it's been maybe a month, not quite a month, since it kind of it's been planted. I'm hoping in a year's time this will be just gloriously full of flowering plants all along the edges. Um, we've got the, kind of the dwarf water lilies flowering at the moment. I'm hoping the yellow flag irises will come up and look kind of beautiful and showy. In time, we will be building another pond and that will come at the back of the dock and it'll be much bigger than this. It'll be, I hope, a really lovely kind of wetland habitat for people to be able to come and enjoy being in a space that has kind of the tranquility of water and then the excitement of all the life that comes with it. Sometimes it can feel incredibly overwhelming to be just one person looking into the climate and biodiversity crisis. But actually, there is so much comfort in being amongst one another, because that issue starts to get a lot smaller when we're all working towards that common goal. By putting a pond in, we're not only engaging with the wildlife in our area, but we're getting to know our neighbours. And when we do that, we can work together more collaboratively to face this bigger problem. There really is strength in unity, and that is exactly the case when it comes to community conservation, which is one of the most important things you can do as an individual to fight the climate crisis. For more information on setting up community ponds and for fascinating nature stories, sign up for emails at wwt.org.uk and follow WWT on our socials. Waterlands is an 1860 production for WWT. The producer is Malvin Rickaby.